Thank you, Judy and Paul and Bubba for leading us in worship today. It's good to be with the Mount Pleasant family this morning. God bless you for your presence here. We're praying for Dr. Autry, and as you all have been in a series in Joshua, um, as I was preparing today and understanding today was Communion Sunday, um, and just in light of the fact of where you are as a congregation in transition, uh, I thought it would be appropriate if we would move back to chapter 4 of Joshua. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at Joshua chapter 4, the stones of remembrance. And I've already preluded that um, at the Lord's table this morning. So if you have your Bible, if you would turn there. If not, the, the scripture is on the screen for you this morning. Then the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, command the priest who bear the ark of the testimony to come up from the Jordan. Joshua therefore commanded the priest saying, come up from Jordan. And it came to pass when the priest who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord had come from the midst of the Jordan and the soles of the priest's feet touched the dry land that the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. Now the people came up from the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month and they camped in Gilgal on the east border of Jericho and those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan Joshua set up in Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel saying when your children ask their fathers in time to come saying what are these stones then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over the Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. That all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Lord, would you take these words, the testimony of Joshua. Lord, would you speak truth and life to us today? As we look historically, as it applies to our life individually, and as it applies to our church collectively. Thank you for your written word. Thank you for your spoken word. Thank you for the transformation of its power upon our lives. May we surrender to it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the Israelites had been waiting for how many years? 40 years. That's a long time, isn't it? They had been waiting for 40 years, but now the time has finally come. And so you can imagine this moving moment in history as the power of God opens the River Jordan for them to trek across into the promised land. Our finite eyes see it from pictures, or maybe we see it in movies, but it's much richer, it's much deeper than the eye can contain. 
After all, they are leaving behind years and years of wandering in the wilderness. They're, they're leaving behind the memories of, of countless deaths of family and friends, an entire generation of people who would not trust God's promises. They're leaving behind slavery in Egypt and a survival mode of a, of a nomadic life. And it is finally over. After 40 years, it is finally over. One chapter closes and a much awaited, anticipated new chapter begins. The vision had been cast. They had imagined, they had hoped, they had dreamed. But God's steadfast promise was a land that was even richer, more beautiful, more fruitful than they could ever fathom. Now the promise is reality and it belongs to them. It must have felt unbelievable to finally stand in the threshold of Canaan. Now, I, I can't begin to, to fathom that. All I can do is just kind of picture in my mind, and I, I watch this show from time to time, and maybe you have the uh, extreme home makeover and the emotions of the people. You know, when Ty Pennington, anybody watch that? Anybody ever seen that? When Ty Pennington says, move that bus, right? And they all shout that, the whole community shouts it, and all of a sudden this bus moves, and behind it stands a a beautifully completed new home that these people, this family sees for the first time. But wait, when they get inside, it's even greater than they imagine. Not only does it provide for their needs, but there are upgrades and, and there's special provisions and there's luxuries and decor that they would have never ever thought about. It's even better than they could have imagined. To be in Canaan was the fulfillment of an ancient promise to Father Abraham. And so it must have been overwhelming to think that it was spoken by Father Abraham and, and Moses helped prepare and now Joshua would see them through to see the, the promised land that was promised to them. It had to have been tears of joy. But one of the things that I believe they, they faced in this roller coaster of emotions was when they arrived at the Jordan shore, when they arrived at the river, what did they find? They, they find, found that it was, it was flooding. It was above flood levels and it was flowing and it was r- rapidly moving and very dangerous. There was undergrowth. There was overgrowth of weeds and plants and even jungle-like conditions. The river was impassable. I mean, we have seen flash flooding that takes place in our areas where cars are being swept away. I think we have a a picture to just kind of give you a picture of what it's like with the rushing water and how it sweeps a a car right off of the road. Uh, I've personally seen the results of a 500-year flood and how powerful it is. Even crossing with motorized boats is not easy. I think we have another picture there. That's uh, happened, I think, during Hurricane Floyd or, or Dennis. Uh, I think that's in the Franklin area. This was Isabel on the coast as well. But we know what it's like. The, the river in, in Jordan was impassable. It was not safe. But God intervened. As a matter of fact, he did it again. Just as he had done at the Red Sea, he performed a miracle by rolling back the waters of the Jordan River. God meant what he said through Moses. He meant it. He kept his promise. He was as good as his word. 
And I can only imagine the songs of praise and the shouts of hallelujahs as God's people worshiped and exalted him as they crossed the Jordan into the promised land. But in the midst of the praise and in the midst of the worship, God gives Joshua some very specific instructions that we find in verses one through three of chapter four. After the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord spoke to Joshua and said this, choose 12 men from the people, one man for each tribe and command them to take 12 stones from this place in the middle of the Jordan where the priest's feast are standing, carry them with you and set them down at the place where you, will, where you will spend the night. Joshua did exactly what he was told to do. He, he sent these 12 selected men back to the riverbed of the Jordan where they were to bring back 12 large stones. Now remember that these stones were actually buried. They were implanted into the basin of that river. They were unreachable. They were covered up. They were challenging and it challenged the faith of God's people. But now all of a sudden and divinely and supernaturally, they are accessible and they are obtainable. And folks, these are pretty big rocks. These are pretty big stones that these 12 men bent down, hoisted from the river floor upon their shoulders and they carried them back to the promised land. I think you see some slides that kind of depict that. Yeah. All right, now, for you weightlifters, I think I did this just for Bri. There is no greater weightlifting exercise that uses more muscles than the deadlift. From a squatted position to lift something from the ground to above your head and over your shoulder means that you've used at least five muscle groups. That's not Bri, by the way, but okay, so there it is. But you can see, oh, wait a minute, that's Bri. No, it's not. But, but you see how heavy, you can get a picture of how heavy and how big these rocks must have been as they reached from the ground and they hoisted them above their head and placed them on their shoulder. That's what these men did. And, and then they piled them together as God had commanded them. Now, you know that stones being in different shapes and forms, not natural for them to stack very well. But God knew that there would come a day when Israel's children would ask for an explanation about this natural but unnatural stacking of these stones. And this is what he said. He said to answer the generation in this way. In verse seven, God says, tell them the story of how the waters of the Jordan were cut off in front of the ark of the Lord's covenant. And when it crossed the Jordan, the Jordan's waters were cut off. That's what I want you to tell your children and your children's children. And then he adds verses 23 and 24. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over just as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before you, before us, until we had crossed over. This is so that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord's hand is mighty and so that you may always fear the Lord your God. Folks, this is what happens when the impossible meets the possible God. This is what happens because God keeps his promises. This is what happens when the enemy comes up against the supremacy of our God. Chris Tomlin has a song that probably says it better than I. So I want you to 
listen to it. And you can sing too. Water you turned into wine Open the eyes of the blind There's no one like you None like you Into the darkness to shine Out of ashes we rise There's no
God's our God. Can you imagine the Israelites if they had this song? They'd have been singing it, wouldn't they? They'd have been singing it. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. Our God is higher than any other. Our God. And so now the 12 stones that these men have have gathered and they're placing in Gilgal that we read about in, in verse 20 through 24 are stones of remembrance for generations to come. Stones of remembrance for generations to come. It's like a monument. And, and I've got to tell you, when I, I fly out of Washington, D.C., I love to get a window seat. And that's because I want to be able to see the beautiful buildings and the monuments in our, in our nation's capital. capital. Uh, you know, I, I can easily recognize the Washington Monument because it stands above the others. It's tall and it's, and it's pointed. It causes me to remember our first president, George Washington. But then I can see the, the Lincoln Memorial as we fly around a little bit more. The square building with towering columns and the statue of Abraham Lincoln just inside of those columns. It reminds me of our, our 16th president. It also reminds me that he was dreadfully assassinated. Do you see how these buildings and monuments cause us to remember But we also see that it doesn't tell the story behind the monument. And so that's why we have Joshua who's telling, God's telling Joshua to have these stones as a reminder to our children and our our children's children and our grandchildren. Because if we don't tell them the story behind the monument, then soon we will have a generation that has no clue to the significance and its meaning. It becomes a nice piece of architecture. It becomes a nice building. It becomes a nice pile of rocks. So what is the story of the stones at Gilgal? What are the Israelites remembering through these stones? They're remembering what God has done, number one. God had kept his promise. God had delivered them from captivity. God had done the impossible, done what man could not do. God parted the Jordan River for the Israelites to pass through on dry land to the promised land. So they were remembering what God had done. Secondly, they were remembering who God is. He's all-powerful all-knowing, always present, even when it seemed like the Israelites were wandering, and I would think 40 years would be wandering. Even in the midst of that, God was working for their good. He is the one who gave them strength when they were weak and weary. He comforted them when they lost loved ones and friends during these years of captivity. He is the one who gave them hope during a very hopeless period in their life. He is the one who spoke power and called Joshua into leadership when their leader Moses had died. He is the one who had the master plan. So they remembered who God is. But they also remembered where God was leading. The all-powerful one would call out a succeeding leader, Joshua. Joshua would carry out the vision that God had planned. It began with Abraham and Moses, but God knew that it would be Joshua to lead them to the promised land. This is where God was leading. The stones would serve as a reminder and lead to inquiries of generations to come. God is leading through Joshua to tell the story of what he has done. Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until 
until you had crossed over as the Lord your God did the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. So God's plan and purpose for the future that all the peoples, look in verse 24 as we continue reading, that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it's mighty, that it's strong, that they may fear the Lord your God forever. So what was he leading them to do? What was God leading the Israelites to do? To proclaim the Lord and his power and supremacy to all the people of the earth from generation to generation. And boy, could they speak firsthand about God's power. The stones of remembrance for the Israelites. But you know, there's, there's part of me that says, you know what? We modern day Christians, maybe we need a monument of stones that remind us of what God has done for us. To remind us of his power, of who he is, and about his leading. So what are the, the stones of remembrance for you, for me? Remember what God has done. God told us through the prophets of the Old Testament about the coming of the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And we read in the New Testament Gospels that we find yet again that God kept his promise when he sent his only son, Jesus, to live a sinless life, to die a cruel death for our sins. He was buried in a borrowed tomb and he rose victoriously to reign forever and ever supreme. What has God done for us? He's delivered us. He's delivered us from captivity of sin. He has conquered death. He has saved us from hell and saved us to heaven to spend eternity with him. He's given us victory over the grave. Not only has he given us his son, but God has given us the revelation of himself through the written word. And it's true from cover to cover. And he's given us the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So Christians, let's remember what God has done. Secondly, let's remember who he is. God is exactly who he said he was and is. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the the triune God. John John 4, 24 says, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So we know that God is spirit. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. So we know that God through Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Revelation 22, 13, he says, I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He is the bookends. The beginning and the end. Deuteronomy 32, 4. He's described as being the rock. His work is perfect for all his ways are just. 1 John 4, 8. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. You're talking about the characteristics and the qualities of God. God is love. Exodus three fourteen. God said to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. Colossians 1.16, for by him all things were created. Who is God? He's the creator in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Luke 18.27, but he said, what is impossible with men is possible with God. I think we learned that, didn't we? From the Old Testament, from Joshua. 
1 Timothy 1.17, to the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. He's the wise God. Deuteronomy 4.31, for the Lord your God is a merciful God. He's a merciful God. Psalm 11.7, for the Lord is righteous. Who is God? He's the righteous one. Ephesians 2, 3 through through 6, but God being rich in mercy, rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins and our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. He's rich in mercy, great in love. The psalmist writes in chapter 83, verse 18, that they may know that you alone whose name is the Lord, are the most high over all the earth. The most high. Deuteronomy 7, verse 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is God. The faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Proverbs three nineteen. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. He is the all wise God. So as Christians today, we could go on and on and on. All you've got to do is Google, who is God? Who is God? And you will find all of these attributes of who God is. Remember who he is. Then thirdly, as Christians, we should remember where God is leading. And we've shared John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever. So where is he leading us? He's leading us to the whosoever should believe in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's his desire that no one should perish, but have everlasting life. And he's made a way through Jesus. Not only does he want us to to live with him and be with him forever, but his leading has commanded us in Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20, to go therefore... Make disciples, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So where is God leading us as believers? He's leading us to to go to all nations, to make disciples of Jesus, to tell the story of what he did for the Israelites at the Jordan River, to tell the story of what he did for every one of us at Calvary, to tell the story of how he has saved and changed our life. And as we're doing that, become more and more like Jesus. Now, why is this so important? Why is this so urgent? Because he tells us he's going to come again to claim his own. And it could be at any moment. So maybe today, as Christians, we need some stones of remembrance. I can't help but believe today that there's some application even to the church collectively. Could it be that Mount Pleasant Baptist Church needs stones of remembrance As a body of believers, I believe this is so timely. And why is that? Because as you prepare for your next pastor, as you prepare for your next shepherd, Mount Pleasant family, remember what God has done. God has kept his promise. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. He started the work at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church some many years ago. And he promises to finish it. 
He has supplied able pastors and shepherds. He supplied staff, capable lay leaders to guide this New Testament church throughout its history. There have been miracles, miracles of healings. There's been miracles of salvation, miracles of church growth. There's been miracles of of buildings being built. Yes, there's been ups and downs, as it is in in any church. And some might say, well, we've had some wandering years, (laughs) like the Israelites. But you know what? Just as it was with the Israelites, God has been faithful through it all. So remember what God has done. Number two, remember who God is. He's all-present. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's all-sufficient. Nothing takes him by surprise. He knew it before it happened, allowed it, and is already working for good. His power is evident in his word, which is true. The power of his Holy Spirit draws people to himself, and it's that same spirit that draws us together as the body of believers. And folks, he's done it before, and he'll do it again. He's all-powerful. As he did with the Red Sea, he parted it. Likewise, he did with the Jordan River. He's that powerful. And what he's done before, he can do it again. Remember where God is leading. His purpose of the church hasn't changed. Love him, love others. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love him first, and then love others as yourself. Go and make disciples. He's calling another Joshua to lead his people to the next chapter of the church's history. He's leading you as a congregation to prepare yourselves to join him and to join this pastor in the work that he has in store. And just as it was with the Israelites, what's on the other side of the river is better than you could ever imagine or think. What must you do, church? to get ready for the next chapter of the history of Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. What must you do individually to get ready for the next phase of your Christian journey? Well, maybe this morning we need some stones to remind us. Stones that would remind us of what God has done. Stones that would remind us of who God is. Stones that would remind us of where God is leading. This morning at the altar, we have some small stones. And if the Lord has been speaking to you, I want to encourage you to commit to him that from this point on, I'm getting ready to go all the way. I'm going to cross the Jordan. I'm going to cross the river. I'm going to follow the Lord and the shepherd that he is calling and providing in order for our church to be all that it can be and telling the story of Jesus, going to all of the nations and making disciples, I'm going to go all the way. And I'll take this stone, just as God instructed the Israelites to remind them of what he's done for them, remind them that he's God and that he's in control, and I will follow wherever he leads. Stone of remembrance. Now, I don't know what you'll do with this stone. We had some people in the first service that placed it in their pocket. One person placed it in their shoe and said, I don't want to be comfortable. I want this to constantly remind me of what God has done, who he is, 
and that he's leading. Some people will place it on their desk. Some people will place it on their kitchen table as a reminder. But if you're saying this morning, fresh anew, Lord, I want to take this stone as a reminder what you've done. What you've done for us individually, what you've done for us as a church. And I want to do that all, all that I can to get ready to cross the river all the way. Pray with me, would you? Lord, this morning, as Bubba comes and we begin to sing, Lord, throughout this room, there'll be people coming and they'll, they'll grab a stone. Lord, I, I pray that it will be more than just an exercise, but that it will be a reminder to, to us of what you've done for us through Jesus and how awesome a God we serve We'll be reminded of who you are and your attributes. But we'll also be reminded of your leadership in the future. Lord, today, fresh anew, we have an opportunity to say, Lord, we're going to follow you all of the way. We're going to cross. Even when it looks like the waters are, are deep and they're rushing and they're dangerous. Lord, we know that you're going to make a way. And we're going to cross over. And Lord, we can't begin to see what's on the other side, but we trust you and we thank you. And Lord, just as you call Joshua to lead, Lord, we know that you're calling a pastor to be the very shepherd of these people, these sheep. And we trust you with that. Thank you for the search committee. Thank you for the way that you're, you're matching and, and working that together how you're orchestrating it, we, we trust you. But Lord, we want to be ready. We want to be ready to say yes to your will and way. And today we have an opportunity to take this stone as a stone of remembrance. Help us to do that. And Lord, I, I'll be here and Joe will be here and deacons will be here. There could be some this morning that says, you know what? I, I've never trusted Jesus. I've never even taken a step, let alone cross the river. And so today I want to take that step and I want to trust Jesus with my, with my life. I want to turn away from self and sin and I want to turn toward Jesus. I want to confess my sins. I want to repent. I want to turn away and I want to turn to him. And I want him to come into my heart and into my life and take resonance there and be, be Lord and reign, and reign supremely. Lord, have your way and will in our lives as we move throughout this room, as we take this stone of remembrance. In Jesus' name, amen. Your love.
loving arms they draw me near, and your smile it brings me peace. Draw me closer, oh my Lord. Draw me closer, Lord, to Thee.